Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. Today's film is... Best of 2023. So, Eric, it's, it's that time of year where the great year of 2023 is finally behind us and we're ready to talk about all the movies we saw. Fuck 2023 and uh, fuck most of the movies I saw in it. Oh, so it wasn't a good movie year for you. You know, uh, that's probably not fair because I just didn't see a lot of movies. Yeah. Think. Well, that's it was a that down means... year for me in terms of going to the movies. So. Right, right. Well, I have my uh, my letterboxed death up for the year just to, uh, to amuse you with some numbers. I saw 366 movies. So that's over one a day. <laughs> What? Uh, wow. What a um, I, I don't know that I would call it a waste of a year, but um, well, is that impressive I'll, or depressing? Impressive or depressing? I think it's a little bit of both. But if you're a movie fan, it's it's the former for sure. Um, but I will caveat this by saying that a lot of them are short films. I do watch a lot of shorts and I log them on Letterboxd when I watch them. So, you know, sometimes uh i'll watch like two shorts at lunch at, at work or something you know uh, i feel like that's I, canceled out though by oppenheimer and uh <laughs> killers of the flower moon right i did watch a couple long movies this year too so yeah maybe the average and movie did you see napoleon because like, that was also pretty long wasn't it i did see napoleon yep yep yeah there's a lot of long movies yeah they should um, they should stop that so here are some other notable things. The first movie I watched this year was one that we both watched, Eraser Reborn. Remember that one? I I vaguely <laughs> remember that movie. It had a I rhino in it. I can't believe that was only a year ago. January 1st. Yep. <laughs> it had a rhino, and uh, it, I think it was directed by John Pogue because he wanted to start a Pogue cast. I remember cast. that. I'm still down. <laughs> I had two brilliant ideas for podcasts this year, and you didn't want to do either of them. Well, the butler did it, I think, is your real brilliant one, and that is very tempting. <laughs> he was in a movie, at least one this year, Plane. Was was he in Kandahar, too? I think that's two. We could have uh, done I didn't, two episodes. That's true. Uh, so my most watched actor, as you know, was Eric Roberts. Since we did a lot of Eric Roberts movies for our little film club, Fine saw six, 16 movies by him. A you lot really of them are shorts. It. Yeah. <laughs> Lance Henriksen got number two, and Jackie Chan, of course, got number three. Um, of course. I, That's a good list. Strong, strong list. Yeah. My most watched director is James Cameron, four movies. Followed by Chad Stahelski, because I did watch the whole John Wick series this year for the new one. Has he done anything besides John Wick? No. No, he has not. Um, you know, we should add Avatar onto your list of obscenely long movies that you watched this year. That's true. Both of them, probably. <laughs> yeah, so that was my, uh, my 2023 stats. Oh, Letterboxd does tell me that my the most watched theme monsters, aliens, sci-fi and the apocalypse. I'm on board with most of these. Yeah. And my most watched genre is fighting violence shootings. <laughs> Involving aliens and yeah. uh, whatever else you just said. Exactly. I mean, cause when you see an alien, you're going to shoot it, right? I mean, peace is not an option. <laughs> if, if if America stands for anything else, I'd be surprised. <laughs> so um, yeah, those are some of my stats. Uh, I watched fifty-seven movies from twenty twenty-three. I did notice that. So you know, uh, a good a good selection to choose some favorites and least favorites from. 
Um, but I think I'll jump in to talk about one of them because you kind of just mentioned it. Gerard Butler. I watched Plane. Is this on your favorites or least favorites list? It's it's neither. This is just a solid Gerard Butler B-movie. Right in the middle. It's kind of like the perfect, entertaining, but not very great movie. So that's like a litmus test for where my tastes are this year. That was right in the middle. I I don't believe I saw any uh, Jerry Butler movies this year. I mean, I watched moonfall but that's not from 2023 right right and actually that might have been on the plane home from california in 2022 i think i'm a liar Mm. well it's any year is a good year to watch some some butler um so i'm not going to talk about all 57 movies i watched of course but I will say just in general, 2023 for me was a year where there was like a lot of movies I really liked, but none that were five stars. I did not give the coveted five star rating to any of them, but I gave nine four and a half star ratings this year. So that's that's a lot for wow. me. Yeah. A lot of really great movies. That coveted didn't five quite. star seal of long monkey approval. Exactly. Yep. It's very rare that I give a five star. I gave a five star to two movies last year, which was surprising. RRR, of course, and Babylon. Um, how about you? What did you think of 2023 in general? I was underwhelmed at first blush. Um, okay. But again, I haven't seen, not that this necessarily means a lot because I also didn't like a lot of the best picture nominees that I saw or mm-hmm. didn't like, but I thought they were vastly overrated, but I also okay. haven't seen a lot of the best pictures. There was more that I missed and I feel like, um, that I really enjoyed if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. Right. Like I, I haven't seen Oppenheimer. Um, mm-hmm. I regretfully did see killers of the flower moon. Yes. We talked so, about that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't see Napoleon, which I've heard very mixed reviews about. Uh, I was I'm trying to think. I, I pondered making a movies I wish I'd seen but didn't list, and I didn't do that. So this uh, conversation is bound to be riveting of me just saying, uh, <laughs> I think I've missed a lot of movies. That's fine. I'll, I'll, you probably will have yeah, missed very, some of the ones that I saw. <laughs> The things I did see were, you know, mostly pretty okay, but uh, I kind of get the feeling that, uh, and and this is definitely very subject to change, a mediocre year for movies. I would liken it to uh, Marvel's Phase 4. Okay. Like, eh, some, so, some of the things were pretty good, but uh, I also might not have given anything. I, I think I might give one five star. I would give five stars to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm, I loved that movie, but again, like it's, it's a hard thing to talk about. And maybe this, like the one thing I really wanted to talk about was the, um, this idea of a Barbie snub and how I think it's, it's pure insanity where we're going. Um, (laughs) because yes, like you can love Barbie. That can be your favorite movie and it's great. But like, is that really best picture quality? You know, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, my favorite movie. But am I saying that that's a great movie in mm-hmm. terms of like like a best picture kind of thing? You know what I mean? Like the, it's pure right. entertainment and I love it. And it's very well done. I can't say enough good things about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse from um, being a well-written movie to looking really cool. But is that? Is that the kind of thing where you're going to say this was the best movie of 2023? It was my favorite, probably. Mm. But is it is it the best? Is oh god, Barbie was so enjoyable. But is this really a best picture? Is it a snub to say that like uh, I forget who it was said something about? Well, it's a movie about a plastic toy, and they are right. And it says important things. It's got a good message. It deserves mm. everything it can get for like production and set design and costuming. I would even say the uh, best adapted screenplay is like not crazy to give it, but otherwise, it it yeah, I just don't get it. 
<laughs> well, the the whole I have a couple things to say about that. The the whole idea of um what is an Oscar movie is a very interesting question because it's definitely you know, a very yeah, interesting question. There's no there's it's so hard to separate your favorites from what is a good movie unless it's something like a guilty pleasure that you just love that you know is not good. But if a movie is doing what it's supposed to do, like Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, and then and it does it with such skill and such creativity, what's to say that it doesn't deserve to be the considered one of the best movies of the year, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't disagree. Uh, it's uh you know the oscars are who knows it's i try not to put too much stake in it but it is like the celebration of movies that happens every year so i am of course interested in what goes on um so barbie was nominated for best picture people are saying that the snub was for greta gerwig the director and greta gerwig and um Margot Robbie. Margot which, Robbie for actress. Yeah. Again, Margot Robbie was fantastic, but this is not exactly the kind of role. If if staring, if walking around being incredibly naive with like a crazy smile on your face gets an Oscar, I should win one every day. That's my life. Just being confused, <laughs> not understanding how anything works, and walking around looking like a crazy person. Right. I don't know. I'm just like, she will forever be a Barbie icon. But is that really? I would say yeah. Ryan Gosling shouldn't have gotten nominated. I, you like, know, you it can is. be fantastic mm-hmm. for what a role is mm-hmm. without, I think, uh, necessarily having a great acting performance in terms it's of. Not dif- it's not as difficult as other roles. Yeah, it's not a difficult role to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you see his abs? <laughs> I mean, that's the hardest part of being gay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just being no, an I object think, of lust. I, I can agree with you to an extent. I think they're both very good. And, you know, I can think of like 20 great performances by males or females. And if any one of them were nominated, I'd be happy. And if any one of them weren't, I'd understand, you know, <laughs> there's just so many good performances out there. So yes, uh, if she was nominated for best actress, I'd be fine with it. I'm also fine with it that she wasn't. The other nominations are good too. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's all subjective. That's the problem. I also, I, the, everyone says snub, 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 but I find it so weird because, you know, it's like, I don't know how many people are in the Oscar jury now. It's like thousands of people that are doing these nominations. It's not a, like a collective decision to say, we're not going to put Margot Robbie in there. You know, it's just yeah. a sign of, of uh, the average tastes of uh, like thousands of people. Yeah, very true. So out of the best pictures, I've seen everyone except for uh maestro which honestly i did not have much interest in and honestly i'm very happy with all the best picture nominees i enjoyed them all barbie was my least favorite but i still liked it a lot and the rest i thought were excellent so as far as the oscars go i'm on board i saw um my favorite of the nominees just last weekend or two weeks oh, ago, maybe it was. Okay. I, I saw American I Fiction. One. Oh, cool. Really? Wait, which did you think I was going to say? Four things. Oh, no, I saw that a while ago. Okay. Uh, no, I saw American Fiction within the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it tackled a lot of... Um, Kind of serious issues in a very fun way while still being poignant. This is the kind mm-hmm. of movie that I think of when I watch something and think of Best Picture because mm-hmm. it was just really well made. It had a, a solid story. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love the way it kind of its take on performative wokeism, I guess, which is yes. I, I just hate <laughs> that term of being woke. But there is, and I think we talked about this when we talked about bodies, 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 not that these are Mm -hmm. 
similar movies in any way other than maybe they kind of talk about um certain certain ways that people behave yes that's a good in the analogy. effort to try to be inclusive or to try to show that they are uh understanding the plight of uh you know an under underserved person Mm-hmm. And how they just get it wrong. And sometimes in that effort to do that, you can actually perpetuate some of these stereotypes. And I just thought that that was uh, really brilliant. For those who don't know, it is about uh, a college professor who is a writer. He is a an African-American man um, who is struggling with the way his people are portrayed in media. So kind of on a lark and also because he needs money. He decides to write this book that leans into all of the stereotypes that all of the kind of white savior uh, types are are saying. It's it's so brave to portray these stereotypes and to be true to yourself. And he's like, this is not actually the black experience. This is what you think the black experience is. And it's very insulting. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just thought it was there's a lot more going on in the movie than that. But I just thought the whole thing was brilliant. I completely knows, agree. Maybe That's... I'm doing a little bit of that now by being a middle-aged white guy saying this is great. <laughs> I know. I struggled with that as well after watching it because I loved it as well. It's one of my nine favorite movies of the year that got the four and a half stars. And I think you did a great description of it. But what I want to add is that the he the movie was kind of marketed as a comedy, but it's it's very funny. But it's also a lot more drama than I thought was going to be in it. And I liked that the drama that he was going through in his day-to-day life was like the average experience, Uh, you know? That's what he's, like, trying to say. Like, here's my life. It's just like an average person's life. It's not this gangbangers, drug-dealing stuff that is portrayed. And I don't know. I just thought that was such a so cool to see like such an average problems done so well and then on top of this and then on top of it had this other very funny story of the book he was writing <laughs> there's so many good li- or my- <laughs> yes there's so many good lines so many good scenes in that movie it's definitely one of my favorites i'm glad you liked it <laughs> Jeffrey Wright was just masterful. I I Mm -hmm. am not familiar with his uh, work in general, or at least Mm -hmm. I I didn't know who he was prior. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. But I'm looking forward to watching more of him. Yeah, he's been in a lot of, uh, you've probably seen him around, but um, I'm very glad that he got the nomination for this. So, um, all right, we talked about a good movie. Do you have like, Wonder what what your like worst of the year is. We can get that out of the way. Well, I haven't seen it, but I I can only assume that Eighty for Brady must be the worst film <laughs> ever made. Uh, I don't know. I heard some people there's, enjoyed it. I did not see. There, it. If there's one movie that I would hear the concept for and say yes, I have to see this, it would be a bunch of octogenarians uh, thirsting for Tom Brady. <laughs> oh man well speaking of uh concepts that were great that i thought uh turned into a pretty bad movie uh renfield not my worst of the year i really enjoyed renfield but um i was in a certain state of mind when i watched it and it is a movie made for me oh uh, i just i wished it was better the action was so poorly done and the script was all over the place. I did not like the cop story at all. Really just should have been about uh, Nicholas Cage as Dracula and his relationship with Renfield. That would have been a good movie, but shoehorned in this whole other plot and shoehorned in all this horrible action. I was just disappointed. It was a good concept that didn't work for me. Not did my you worst say you were more year. disappointed by Renfield or Fast X? <laughs> I was n- more disappointed by Renfield because I thought the concept was strong and that it could have been good. Fast X after Fast 9, I knew was not going to be any good. I was expecting what I got with Fast X. Maybe it was worse than I expected, Ooh. but it was in the ballpark. <laughs> um, 
but I will say to, um, yeah. to bring it back to Nick Cage. Okay. Did you see Dream Scenario? No, that was one that I wanted to. Didn't get I chance. also did not. I don't think it played in theaters here at all. Uh, it was here for a brief period and then it was gone before I got a chance to see it. But yeah, that looks yeah. like the, you can kind of categorize Nick Cage movies into like the ones you know are going to be bad and the ones that have potential to be actual good movies. And that was one of the ones that has potential to be a good movie. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to report back. Yeah, that was one of the big misses. And also Iron Claw was one of the big misses for me that I didn't get to see and I really wanted to see it. Yeah, and maybe I too. still have a chance to see Iron Claw. I'm not sure that might still be in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looked great. Did you see Iron Claw? No, but I I just love the uh, how those guys like transformed their bodies for that movie. They looked insane. <laughs> I mean, Zac Efron is always shredded. I know, but like he looked like uber, like he just looked like deformed. <laughs> So, um, all right, let me tell you about my worst movie. Uh, briefly, I watched the new Project Greenlight series. This year, I went down a rabbit hole watching like the Project Greenlight TV shows. You remember those? And the new movie. It was such a cool concept. I was a, a test reader for like way back in the, was that like, like f- 2000 something? I like signed right, up yeah. to be one of the readers to write the scripts. Like the first season, probably. Yeah, like 2002. Yeah, yeah that makes I don't about, know. Like, I feel like I was right. in college. Mm-hmm. What did you think of uh, the script? I god-awful screenplays. <laughs> so I did realize while watching it that they always pick the worst option <laughs> when it comes to making the movie. In the first series, they picked Stolen Summer, which is not a good script. It was a bad movie. Um, subsequent seasons, they either pick the wrong script or they pick the wrong director. Like watching the episode where they're choosing between who should direct a movie, you're like, oh, it's obvious if they should go with this well spoken, articulate person who is able to clearly explain their ideas and excited about making this movie. No, we're going to go with the weirdo who can't really <laughs> uh, work with any humans. And that's kind of what they've done for every season, including this new one which was a completely new show on HBO with new hosts and everything. And they were going to kind of take a new tactic by they commissioned a screenplay. And then they were searching for the director. The contest was just for the director and the screenplay they commissioned. They said they wanted to make a teen supernatural thriller for, and, um, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, this is exactly where this is going to go wrong. They're commissioning a script based on this genre that has been done to death. And this movie is going to turn into like the forgotten Netflix of the week streaming trash. And they picked a director that um, I don't want to badmouth her too much because it's her first movie. But she, Mako Winbush, she did not know how to uh, grapple with all the nuances of making a feature film in a studio system. And there were other directors that they had a chance of picking, which seemed like would have been a much better fit. Anyway, the movie was gray matter. It's difficult. And it, yeah. It seems extra difficult because if you're doing like a supernatural teenage thing, like it seems like something that would have a lot of special effect shots, which are not... Mm-hmm. Um, not easy to do, especially if you've never directed a movie before and have no idea how that works. They had all the directors direct the same scene from the script and her scene was the best. But during the interview, she was not, she wasn't very, she didn't, wasn't able to um, just clearly demonstrate what her vision was for the movie and what she was going to bring to it and how she was going to do it where other people whose films maybe weren't as good were clearly able to um, show that they had what it took to like command, to take control of it and do something with it. So they went with the person that had the, the best short and 
it fell apart while they were trying to make the feature, unfortunately. Gray matter. But directing's hard. You have to have the vision yeah. and the ability to communicate it to everyone. Mm-hmm. In some cases, hundreds of people, if not thousands of people. At yeah, time. exactly. Um, the other worst movie I want to touch on is Nefarious. Do you ever hear of this one? It's... I feel like I wanted to see that, but I don't remember it. Okay, or at least so I was intrigued I... Barely by, the, by the DVD case at work when I ordered it. It says, on the day of a scheduled execution, a convicted serial killer gets a psychotic psychiatric evaluation during which he claims he is a demon and, the, and further claims that before their time is over, the psychiatrist will commit three murders of his own. Sounds cool. It's like a pot boiler chamber piece with two people talking. Starts off really strong, some good performances, and then quickly deviates into a right-wing propaganda, <laughs> uh, a, a, a pro-life sort of a story. Um, and it is, it, it falls apart once it tips his hand as to what it actually is. Um, spoil it. I want to know how, how bad this is. <laughs> so the, the serial killer is inhabited by a demon and the psychiatrist is an atheist who is basically just interviewing him to certify that he is sane enough for the execution that's going to happen. So the demon... This already doesn't make sense because they do that before your trial. They don't care if you're nuts before they kill you. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know the details, but I was buying into it at that point. And then the, uh, the demon, played by Sean Patrick Flannery, is uh, just a very um, kind of almost like an insane Hannibal Lecter type character uh, with this like verbal and facial tics. And I thought the performance was good. But then they, the, he starts talking about the psychiatrist's life and asking him, where is your girlfriend right now? Um, blah, blah, blah. Turns out his girlfriend was right at that moment going to have an abortion. And the, the demon was like talking about how that's the, fir- that's the murder he's committing. <laughs> that's the second murder you're committing is you're letting your girlfriend have an abortion. And then basically com- starts talking about the uh what happens to a child during an abortion what happens to a fetus during an abortion and it's uh it's obviously right-wing propaganda stuff and it convinces this atheist psychiatrist to call up his girlfriend to stop it and it's too late that was the second murder that's just one aspect the other right-wing thing is that the first murder was that uh, this psychiatrist had um, a mother who was dying of cancer and helped her go through an assisted suicide. And the demon was explaining how that's a murder, that you, you're killing her. This is not, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can see in your face. This is all the stuff that we, that, you know, neither of us believe that this movie is like almost like tricked me into watching it. If I knew it was going to be this right wing propaganda, I would not watch it. Because <laughs> it's was just the not third my thing. murder signing off on his death warrant or whatever. It was yes. Okay, well, so at least he did one thing right. <laughs> yeah, and then it ends with an extended uh, interview on the Glenn Beck show, the right wing oh uh, host. <laughs> so, <laughs> where the psychiatrist wrote a book about the experience and goes on Glenn Beck to talk about his book and uh as in how Wait, as is a this former, supposed to be based on a true story? It's not a true story. I hope not. <laughs> it's all fictional. <laughs> oh, so wait. The, so a psychiatrist wrote a novel that was adapted into this movie? No, no that... the character of the psychiatrist uh, goes on the interview, like a fake interview oh, on the Glenn yeah, Beck Yeah, I was not getting it. I thought, <laughs> yeah, you know, because Glenn Beck is a real person. I'm like, wait, is, what yeah. the hell is happening here? <laughs> yeah, he was an actor interviewing this actor fake you know in the in the world of the movie about this book he wrote <laughs> so it doesn't help uh i think in my defense i i had been planning since you started talking about this movie 
to mm-hmm. ask if you'd seen The Sound of Freedom, the other right-wing propaganda <laughs> film. <laughs> I did not. That one I knew was right-wing propaganda, so I had no like, interest in seeing it. Now, I will say, I, I am perfectly fine with people expressing their viewpoints through movies. That is what movies are about. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I just think that the way that this did it was very underhanded, and it... Uh, it the movie could have been good. Like the concept was a good concept about this, this like this two hander inside this prison interview room. Um, but then it just devolved into uh, what it turned out to be just trying to push its message. And that's what I didn't like. Uh, the movie itself was bad because of that, not because of the message, even though I disagree with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of film is that you can present opinions that maybe your audience doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily hold and make them think about something in, in this mm-hmm. setting that is like safer and less confrontational than arguing with uh, a crazy person on the sidewalk or whatever. <laughs> that's um, very well put. Yeah, that's exactly what movies should be. But when you get preachy and heavy handed with that message. It's like, it's not fun for anyone really, unless mm-hmm. I guess you're a hundred percent on board with it. It's not good storytelling because at the end of the day, unless it's a documentary and even then I would argue you're there to tell a story, even if that story is informative or persuasive, mm-hmm. you know, people are, are going to movies to see a story told and told right. well, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was curious. I also did not see uh, The Sound of Freedom because I knew a lot about the person that the movie was supposedly based on prior to uh-huh. uh, the film coming out and the the, the absolutely ludicrous um, film that they made based on the pretty much total fabrication of this person and his group. Um, yeah, I heard that as yeah. well, that there was a lot of uh, leeway taken with the story. Yeah, and Jim Caviezel is also full blown uh, nut job. Yep. Well, I wonder if that happened not, before not... Passion of Christ or after. <laughs> I think so. I, I listened to a bunch of podcasts with people who have worked with Jim Caviezel, mm-hmm. um, and apparently he is just—he's uh, always kind of been that way. Okay. And that's all I want to say. Not that we would ever get sued for a defamation, but right. um, just like the stories of him, he is just so out there and so kind of gullible and buying anything anyone tells him um, to the point where, like, you know, he, he was cast uh, famously in a show about seals and he was like basically stolen valoring, like saying, I am a oh, seal. God. Like, uh-huh. yeah. And like, not that's easily acting, to like, check. <laughs> legit, like I am basically a seal now because I play one on TV. Oh man! Or uh, okay. what was the show he was on? Person of Interest, where he was a detective and um, like actually assaulting other actors on the set. Oh wow! Problematic. Kind I did not know that was because that bad. that's what my character would do. And it's like, okay, but this is acting. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, very problematic and weird, and uh, totally all in on on this nonsense. Huh. All right. Well, is there any other bad movies you want to talk about before we bring it up a little bit? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I don't remember anything that I thought was egregiously terrible that I saw. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I want to bring up one movie that's middle of the road, but it, it needs to be talked about. The Challenge from Russia. The Challenge is the first movie, a fictional movie filmed in space. They beat Tom Cruise there. <laughs> Son of a... And you know he's mad about that. <laughs> yep, he's punching the wall right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it is the story of... Uh, on the International Space Station, there was an a- accident during a spacewalk that punctured an ast- astronaut's lung and it became infected. And they are too weak. This guy is too weak to come to Earth. So they have to train and send up a surgeon to do a surgery on the ISS on the skies to to save his life so he can come home. Very cool concept. And it's about this group of surgeons 
that are uh, training to basically crash course to be able to become an astronaut. And one of the surgeons uh, is a female, Yulia Parasid. Sorry for mispronouncing her very Russian name. She was just there to help um, des- like design how they would do this surgery in zero gravity. So she's kind of there on like the test site, working out the details while all the men are doing their, their training to go up into space. And then through various circumstances, um, she is the one that gets picked to go up into space to do this surgery. She's the only one that can do it. So they literally, in real life, put her on a shuttle and brought her up to the International Space Station and filmed a bunch of scenes up there. About 45 minutes, I heard, of the movie is actually in space. And you can tell. It is really cool to watch. You can tell that she's floating around the International Space Station, getting, you know, acting, dealing with the, you know, getting ready to do the surgery. And it's just really cool to see like real people in space in like a non-documentary setting, like where there's actual stakes involved. Not that there's no stakes involved in real life, but like a fictional story where the narrative is happening. And um, I think they purposely left her hair undone so you can see it floating around as she's, you know, floating through the space station. Smart stuff. The movie could have been really, really great. Unfortunately, it has a lot of... uh, uh, unfortunate uh, narrative choices. Like the reason she was picked to go on the on the trip was not dramatic at all. It could have been a lot cooler the way that it played out. And there's this whole like other subplot about her life on Earth that I did not care about at all. Um, and then it does use an unfortunate amount of pretty bad CGI when they are doing like showing like the ISS in space. And like astronauts doing spacewalks because that was not real, <laughs> but it's just really cool to see um, that they spent the time and money and energy to train you know an actress and a director to go up into space and film part of a movie there. So that was neat. It sounds like uh, a very similar setup to Armageddon, training a bunch of you know, people who are experts in one field to be astronauts, but for an entirely too boring reason, like blowing up an asteroid is cool before it destroys earth. Like, Oh no, this astronaut has to have some surgery. (laughs) I mean, they, they played, they did that part. Well, like I wanted the guy to survive, you know, (laughs) it's all about saving one life, smaller stakes than saving the entire planet, but more realistic. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> oh well I, we'll I see what bruce willis could still blow up an asteroid probably could i guess we'll see what uh tom cruise does with his space movie which uh they should almost be starting to film at some point soon maybe after mission possible all right that's it for my non-best movies of the year just thought i had to talk about the space movie so what else do you have on your best movies of the year? You did mention Poor Things, which I did really love. This kind of reimagined Frankenstein-esque yeah. story of um, self-discovery, I think. Yeah, exactly. We both talked about that on previous episodes. So yeah, I'll just say that that was one of my favorites. Uh, American Fiction we talked about. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, of course. most One of the most imaginative animated movies or movies in general. Uh, can't wait for the third one to come out. Yep, that was the only thing that would stop me from giving it five stars. The fact that I had no idea there was going to be a sequel, and I sat through it, and I was like, wait, it's not over? Which is <laughs> a good thing, but now now I have to wait. I had the exact same thing. I'm like, this feels like half a movie. I can't like wrap my head around what to think about it. So... I'm very much looking forward to watching all three of them next year or this year when it comes out. Um, We talked about Killers of the Flower Moon previously. Still one of my favorites. Killers of the Flowers news. Yep. I have learned more listening to the first hour of the audiobook than I did 
the three and a half hours that I sat in that movie theater. <laughs> um, all right, so I'll mention a couple others. One you might have seen, John Wick 4. I did see that. I can't believe Keanu wasn't nominated for Best Actor for John Wick. <laughs> I mean, it's his fourth snub in a row. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I think John Wick 4 was the best of the bunch. It was finally the John Wick movie I wanted. And very happy that this is the last John Wick. Uh, kind of like is Fast he... and Furious 7 was the last Fast and Furious. If they come out with another John Wick movie, are you going to go to it? Of course I'm going to go to it. Just like I saw Fast 8 and <laughs> 9 and 10. <laughs> but in my mind it's a perfect ending um, the holdovers see that I really want to see that and haven't yet yeah that's a great I also one missed Asteroid City which I've heard very mixed reviews for this episode should just be about things I didn't see in <laughs> 2023 well I will say that Asteroid City um, I didn't click with at all. I thought it was amazing to look at and the direction and production design impeccable as always. But there's so much, so many layers of story in there and none of them seem to be needed. I think that's, that's how I would describe it. There's, you, you, you know how kind of Wes Anderson likes to layer his stories. It's like someone telling a story and then someone else telling a story within that and it kind of all yeah. he's been doing that a lot lately and this does that and I don't know if it's it just doesn't do anything for me this time it just felt very uh, shallow I still liked it because it's just that set is incredible <laughs> and the color palette that's kind of how I feel about most Wes Anderson movies like I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that I watched them but I walk away underwhelmed almost every time I you know I agree I, I think Grand Budapest was the, was my last movie of his I really liked but after that yeah I feel the same way yeah I couldn't even tell you I, I remember really liking Moonrise Kingdom mm. but he, I couldn't he seems tell to be you coming... anything about it he becomes more Wes Anderson every movie. And I think that's the problem. He's becoming like so much, so like almost like a parody of himself. I was going to say he's becoming a satire of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the holdovers is just like, Oh, so heartwarming and just like, so warm and entertaining to watch just to sit with these characters. Great dialogue, great performances, very funny in like a low key way. Um, and doesn't like do anything. It has drama, but it's nothing overly dramatic. It's just nice. Just such a well-crafted movie. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Paul Giamatti, I think is an underappreciated, uh, actor. Yeah. Yeah. He got the nomination this year. So hopefully, uh, get some more notice. Um, the other movie was past lives. One of my favorites. Uh, I think I talked about it on a podcast a while ago. Celine's, Celine Song's story of um, a Korean woman who moves to America, kind of grows up in America while her best friend from childhood grows up in Korea. And they have this emotional connection that we examine over the the, the time that they're apart. And then they have a it's kind of about like the time they meet again and it's so sad and so beautiful in like a story structure way. Uh, great ideas and great performances. And Oh man, it made me cry. It's one of those movies. Highly recommended though. If you like that sort of thing. Oceans. No, thank you. (laughs) And then the last movie that I gave four and a half stars also nominated for Best Picture, Anatomy of a Fall, the French story of a woman who is suspected in her husband's murder. Oh, she did it. And the husband falls off of the balcony of their remote house on a mountain and 
it's conflicting signs. It, was it an accident? Was it suicide? Was he pushed? And it turns into a courtroom drama of this wo- uh, woman going through the trial. And it's interesting because through the trial, you kind of get a much better viewpoint of her relationship with her husband, her relationship with her son, who's blind and heard uh, and like heard some things during this incident that could be evidence. But I guess it's about the trial kind of laying, laying bare the relationships in this family um, to the audience and to the people in the family as well. So very good script, very excellent performances. Um, Sandra Hewler was nominated for Best Actress, and that is definitely uh, a valid nomination. She was great. I should say, uh, I have not seen this movie, so when I said she did it, I, I have no idea. I know. For anyone listening, like I did not spoil it. I mean, maybe I spoiled something, but it was not intentional. So (laughs) I will not uh, say if you're correct or not, or even if it matters. Uh, It was directed by Justine Triette, who also got Best Director nomination. That one is also well deserved. Just a masterwork in how to, I don't know, um, how to show relationships without uh just telling people what the relationships are it's just very interesting how it all plays out so uh eric do you have any uh any other good ones you want to talk about those were my nine favorites it's so hard to pick one so i have one movie i just want to give the smallest shout out to and it is definitely yeah. not a thing that i think should be nominated for anything Mm-hmm. Um, but for those nerds among us, I did really enjoy the Dungeons and Dragons movie because it was so <laughs> representative of every D&D or otherwise RPG campaign I've ever played and how they just devolve into weird sex jokes and everything. If you play RPGs, D&D is a good movie to like scratch that itch. And it's also just kind of a fun fantasy movie. Like I... I'm not sure how I feel about all of the hype that a lot of people gave it, but um, it is a very enjoyable movie that I I think deserves like a little shout out, especially for our particular community and brand of nerdery. I completely agree. I enjoyed it. Um, I gave it three stars just because it was just a fun. I thought a lot of it was dumb, but a lot of it was fun. I love a lot of the jokes. That's like playing D and D. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's like, I don't care what the plot is. Okay, you're going to in this dragon's place. Okay, I don't care why. It's just fun to watch the characters interact and do goofy things. Oh, the dragon's fat. That's hilarious. Like, that's something (laughs) a a DM would do just to like, yeah, you're fighting a dragon, but he's fat, so it's funny. Yeah, I could not tell you what the plot of this movie was, but I can name several of the jokes. So that's, that's a good sign, I think, for the type of movie it is. Yeah, I did have something I wanted to ask you as well. Are mm-hmm. we? Are, is there anything else you, movie-wise? Because I'm moving on to something completely different, movie-related, but not about a recap of the last year. Because as I think I've established, I'm an idiot who has not seen many movies this past year. Uh, no, I think I'm good. Let me just take a quick look at my list. Yeah, that is a movie of note that I want to talk about. So what do you got? So do you have any uh, 2024? I know we're like a month in already. Mm-hmm. Movie resolutions, or I, I like to call them aspirations, because then when I inevitably fail, it doesn't right. feel so bad as having a resolution or a goal. It was an right. aspiration, and I didn't quite get there. Yeah, like you, you, was, you, you did aspire to it. <laughs> um, so we were, we we're going to take a break from the podcast for a bit couple weeks who knows how long we'll be back though sometime so that kind of opens up uh, a new type a new way of watching movies because we've always had like homework to do between podcasts um so i was actually thinking about that i'm like now that we're taking a break from the podcast what do i want to uh make my aspiration be i have nothing um at the moment did you have something you were planning I kind of have two things, and one is just a general um, 
logging things on Letterboxd so I can have fun, you know, movie stats like you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also, I, I realized the other day that um, if you really want to feel old, 1999 <laughs> was 25 years ago. And I oh, would say man. that the movies that came out that year are one of the reasons that I became so interested in film. Um, it was the year that I changed my major from education to film uh, when I was in college just because so many great movies came out. So I'm looking forward to revisiting a lot of those movies. Good, you, bad, ill, yeah. we'll, we'll see. You can't go wrong Do you wrong know any that. of the movies that I'm referring to? I do because there, it's funny. There was an author, a film critic, who wrote a book uh, called 1999, the the best year in movie history? Question <laughs> mark. And it was like, I would agree. It's an argument for it because, uh, like, um, a lot of people said like it was 1938 or whatever has the best year in movie history or 1977. But this was the first time someone mentioned 1999, and then I went back and looked, and I'm like, wow. He may be right. <laughs> There's so many good movies being John Malkovich. American Beauty, which um, yeah. I don't know if I'm excited or scared to see how that's aged because I haven't watched it in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, being John Malkovich is a movie yeah. I really loved. I mean, The Matrix, obviously. Uh, the Green Mile, probably. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I will skip over my comments on that. Okay. Even some of like the that, that was like the phase where there was the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s teen movies, but I really remember liking She's All That. I'll skip over Never Been Kissed. I don't need to see that. American Pie? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's also like uh, Fight Club and um, Eyes Wide Shut. Toy Story 2. Varsity Blues, The Virgin Suicides. I'm just like looking at a list, and there is a lot that I am... (laughs) Any Given Sunday. Yeah, Blair Witch Project. That was like one of the first viral kind of marketing campaigns where somehow, I mean, I feel like an idiot at this point. But back then, we were really like, is this real or what's happening? I don't understand. Yeah, there's a website about this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. That was crazy. It was was when the internet was around, but before, um, like... Uh, people knew everything about everything. So I was like, oh, there's a story of the Blair Witch Project. There's a website. But it was before there was like Twitter for people to say, oh, that's all fake. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to revisiting a lot of these movies. Uh, uh, obviously the best one, The Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Uh, election? Wow. Cruel Intentions. Action Mansfield Park, which I don't think I ever saw, but I've heard really good things about. Oh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, a favorite of ours. Yeah, that phenomenal movie, and we're not even being... Uh, that was one of the the worst advertised movies I think I've ever seen in my life. Oh, really? I don't because remember the advertising. Look, I just remember being totally uninterested because it looked like all of the rest of the high school, you know, rom-com movies mm-hmm. that were coming out, but it didn't look like a good one. And I think it didn't look like a good one because it was actually a mockumentary, which was mm. really amazing and satirical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say, Eric, 1999, can't believe it was 25 years ago. That's a very good uh, pick for uh, like a deep dive. I'm doing a deep dive. That's my 2024 revisit those movies or jump off the roof because I'm an old man. Now Um, the last year (laughs) of my teenagerdom happened to be a great year for movies. And now I'm in my forties and what do I have to show for it? Uh, I mean, maybe you have, you'll have a letterbox account with some nicely logged movies on it by the end of the year. If you told me at 19 that, Someday you'll have a very nicely cataloged Letterboxd account. I would have, A, first said, what the fuck is Letterboxd? And B, I probably would have cut out the next 25 years and jumped off the roof at that point. <laughs> oh, well. If only we were younger. Kids, you know, uh, do, do the things you want to do while you can. That's all I can say. Um, 
Yeah, so that inspires me to uh, pick some film categories that I always wanted to dive into and do some stuff on my own. Do you have any preliminary thoughts on what those categories might be? I've been on, like, so I went to see uh, an Exhumed film show recently, 16 millimeter Super Show, where they play just random 16 millimeter films that have not been screened before, one of which was a student film from the 60s um, from some film school, and it was called Suspension, and it was a Hitchcock homage that um, was like a comedic short film that stole all the stuff from Hitchcock movies. And it put me on like a very uh, keen interest to watch more Hitchcock. I've watched a bunch. I've liked pretty much every film I've seen by his, but he still made like 50 movies I haven't seen. So I was like, you know what? Let me, maybe I'll dive into Hitchcock, watch some more of those. So that was one. I also made, I'm sorry. Look forward to tracking your progress on my newly revitalized uh, Letterboxd. Yeah, right. <laughs> I also um, kind of realized that my Blu-ray player, um, I changed the setting on my Blu-ray player so that I could watch my old DVDs, which were, like, it wouldn't play full, full screen movies that were full screen, you know, like older movies that I had on disc that were full screen. It would, like, stretch them. And I was like, oh, man, like I can't. Four-three aspect ratio? Yeah, it would play the four-three, but widescreen. So it would stretch 16, them. 9 Yeah. That's obnoxious. So I changed. I found the setting, and I fixed it. So now I have access to all these old discs, like the Hitch- Hitchcock discs. And it kind of put me in a Blu-ray DVD mode, where I've been like watching some movies that I've had piled up. And I have so many movies... They're all on Letterboxd. I have a Letterboxd list of what I own because Letterboxd lets you filter on what you own, which is cool. Um, and I have like th- 300 movies or something I have not seen that I own. So I was going to maybe dig into those. Oh, yeah. I have so many DVDs. That's, I guess, a, a goal that I have that I'm not formalizing um, because I am in charge of the DVD collection at the library. And Mm -hmm. when we weed, get rid of DVDs from the collection, which is quite often, I'll take them home and I'll be like, I'm going to watch these and then I'll give them back to the library. And God only knows how many dozens, if not hundreds of DVDs I have here of things Mm -hmm. that I'm like, this looks cool. I want to see this. But I have never watched and are just sitting here waiting for me to watch them to return to the library. So I guess you remember when we used to do that thing where we'd pick a movie and then roll a die? to see which movie we'd watch out of a selection. So I can do that on a grand scale because I have all my movies that I have on disc on a list here. So I could just filter for the ones I have not seen and then I could shuffle it and then just like, just go take that first movie and watch it no matter what it is. So I, maybe I'll do that a couple times. I tried to do that with a, with a restaurant wheel, but we did not honor the wheel. And I feel like oh. that's exactly how I would do. Yeah, it's like, kind of. Oh. I don't so want to watch gonna... that. Let's roll again. Let's roll again. Screw mm-hmm. it. I'll just watch Wedding Crashers. <laughs> I'm going to do it right now. I'm gonna, let's see. Uh, Ultraviolet is the movie that came up. The 2006 Kurt Wimmer movie with Mila Jovovich. <laughs> that is, I own that movie apparently, but I have not seen it. <laughs> I hope you watch it right now. Oh, well, it is a new year, so I should follow the follow the the randomness. Speak your aspirations. Yes, aspire to it. All right, Eric. I think we did it. I think we successfully concluded a a nice year of podcasting, a nice year of movies. Yeah. Nice is the most non-committal term that I am willing to apply to this year of film. Being okay. that I missed so many and was mm-hmm. largely, uh, you know, unimpressed. It was okay. nice. It was nice. Oh, it's like you're a parent talking about their art their child made. <laughs> 
Yep, I'm just going to stick this year of movies on the fridge for a couple weeks, and then it's going to disappear, and I'll tell tell the children I didn't know what happened to it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well. So uh, I guess we'll be back then. Um, who knows when, but soon, sooner, soon, later, who knows? We'll be back, and we'll recap our aspirations and see how we did. Looking forward to it. Such sights to see along with my other projects, can be found on proleary.com. On Letterboxd, I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey, because I'm longer. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a good night and sweet dreams. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.